Hey, Kev. Hello. That was weird. Do people call you Kev? Uh, my brother does. Whoa. But I think he's maybe one of the only person who does. Is he a younger brother or older brother? Yeah, younger brother. Yeah. I see. So it's like a young person thing to call you. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, it comes from when we were kids, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I called you this right now. So I get Raf a lot. Oh, Raf. Even though... I personally never called myself that. I never said that name out loud. But I already introduced myself as like already a shortened version of my actual name. Right. So Rafa, you know, that's not my actual name. It's Raphael. And they're like, you know what? That's not short enough. <laughs> I bet I could do better. Raf. <laughs> nice. I get that a lot. Like surprisingly huh. a lot. Uh, and I'm not like... You know, it's okay if you call me that. It's fine. I just find it curious that you'll arrive there. <laughs> All right, Raph. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't feel right. It's okay. I feel like you have such strong branding around Rafa <laughs> that it's like, of course, of course. I don't know about that. Yeah, of course. It's part of your brand. But maybe. Rafa.design. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's how I introduce myself. Hi, I'm Rafa from Rafa.design. <laughs> so how are you doing? I'm not doing great. It's very overwhelming time of in history you know the whole thing is happening in ukraine i've been doom scrolling for the past four days mm -hmm. even when we were posting last week's episode so we did record it way before the events took place this whole thing started but we posted it on friday and at that point i even like felt weird about posting stuff about design and all like it just i know that i struggle probably a bit too much with this but like it really affects me like even like tweeting anything that it's not acknowledging or related to that it feels weird to me i feel a lot of feelings <laughs> <laughs> so even recording this now i'm like ah, should we try to push should we try to wait until it's more appropriate truth be told it's like i don't know when will be more appropriate it might just get worse <laughs> And I just know that I'm struggling with this. It's just like it's too close to home and just like too uh, unprecedented. It feels like maybe not. Maybe I'm just naive. But maybe this has been happening before. But like it's very close. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we haven't seen like it's probably going to get worse still. So anyway, so I'm not doing great. I've been just, just been very overwhelming. But other than that, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts definitely go out to anyone uh, in Ukraine or anyone that has family there or, you know, 100%. anyone that's affected by this. The reality is, like, this affects all of us yeah. and so is a very serious situation. Like, on the other hand, I'm like, doing a podcast is not going to make things worse, is not going to make things better <laughs> either. It's kind of neutral on this Um what you can do, you, there's lots of places where you can donate your money. There's lots of things that you can do as designers. I saw some people like volunteer some like design work um, for some charities and for some things. There's lots of places where you can make a difference. But on the other hand, I'm like, it's kind of tricky. Like whenever any big events like this happened, it's kind of like, I can't stop it. Like, there's nothing I can mm -hmm. really do. And that's the frustrating part about this, is it seems like there's nothing we can do. Again, I'm not the most informed person on all of this, but it seems like the countries are like, oh, maybe we can like try to impose some sanctions. And it seems like no one can do anything about this. Just so frustrating. So here we are. Yeah. I don't know. 
<laughs> it's very maddening and scary. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're going to put links in the show notes. If you want to help either by donating or, you know, I have a couple of places that we can share some links. But yeah, I feel like the best thing that I can do is just be mindful, be empathetic with people. Uh, you know, not everyone assume that, you know, they might be in a bad place or not. Like, just be kind. Try to help if you can. I've just been even more mindful about my own family, my own time, you know. This one, like, it's close to home. Like, literally. It's like, we're, like, two countries away. Mm. Uh, it's like, when this shit affects you, it's like, kind of like COVID. It's like, there's no borders, really. In this case, there are. But, you know, like, it will, it's not a thing, an isolated thing somewhere else. It's like, no, this can have yeah. impact. It, even, like, in Twitter and stuff, internet, it's all global. So, just be kind. Be aware. Uh, cope with uh, however you can with whatever, you know. Don't judge. That's, you know. Yeah. This is all you can do. But, again, we totally get if some people are not in the mood for design podcast uh, these days and is 100 totally understandable and so follow your own your own interest we also hear from people that are like i need a break from everything that's going on and i need you know a, an hour where i can set my mind off of what's going on in the world and so it's kind of there as as a choice for you to listen or yep. whether or not this is something you want to put your time on how do we move from this <laughs> Uh, I don't know. How was your Monday? How's how's this week going? It's been relatively good. Um, so actually, I'm going to be in New York City this week. So by the time people listen to this, I'll probably have left. Wow. Um, but uh, nice. Yeah. So <laughs> this is going to be the first time you're traveling since it's COVID. The first time outside of Canada. Okay. So. Actually, I went to Vancouver this past year. I have also been to Toronto more times <laughs> than I'd like. Uh, so I have traveled a bit, but uh, first time outside of Canada, even though it's not the furthest place from Montreal. <laughs> like New York is pretty close. Uh, still counts. <laughs> I count. Um, so I'm going there for some work to meet up with some colleagues. We're doing some some planning for, for something. So figured uh, might as well. Um, get like this small group together uh we're being safe and everything uh, i just did like a, a covid test uh, this morning uh i am negative so it's all congrats <laughs> yeah thanks. yeah i think you'll be you're safe now for a while <laughs> i hope it's the first time that i'm excited to be told that i'm negative <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i'm kind of looking forward to that like looking forward to see my colleagues and spending some time there yeah just switching things up after being home, you know, for so long. Oh, yeah. I miss New York. I've only been there once a couple of years back now. I love that city. Yeah. I really want to go soon. Yeah. I wonder what it's like post-COVID. Or, I mean, it's not yeah. I'm not implying that COVID is over. But, like, I mean, <laughs> after COVID happened, right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> not after COVID ended. <laughs> I mean, after COVID started. <laughs> right. Um, so, I wonder if it's any different or if it's kind of back to how it was like before who knows mm-hmm. so uh yeah pretty excited uh, about that yeah it was interesting to see uh, people traveling during covid still applies right now like when you travel to different countries like it's fun to see the different things like oh these people drive on the other side or 
oh yeah there's this culture they eat uh, this for lunch isn't that strange <laughs> like those little differences between cultures it's always like something part of what makes it fun to visit new places mm-hmm. and with the whole covid restrictions it was like fun like to see also i traveled to this place didn't even wear masks or like i traveled to this place didn't even oh like i see yeah, another yeah, yeah. different thing <laughs> about cultures yeah i feel like they must be wearing masks less than we do here in canada okay what do you think i think they just drop the mask mandate now yeah like i'm seeing a lot of them drop these mask mandates mm-hmm. so for example here like you have to wear masks indoors you know if you're going to a store or stuff like that uh the one exception is like restaurants okay but they have some kind of capacity limit and spacing requirements and stuff like that so i don't know who knows i will try to keep my good habits as much as possible uh, whenever i'm there but we'll see well i have some like updates that matter to no one but i still want to talk to you because you know so this is for you kev not kev again here i am what's happening I'm too busy. I don't have time for your full name. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, Raph. Okay. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> See, this goes both ways. Is this code for like, we're in trouble, help. <laughs> we just call each other Raph and Kev. So a little update on like my new home situation and like interior design furnishing an apartment situation. I need help. <laughs> Oh, no. I thought this is when you were going to tell me you figured everything out. No, it's been over a month now. And I'm like, oh, no, I I feel paralyzed. (laughs) My air mattress that I was using as a couch, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, whatever, I had a tear. I was trying to like put some tape on it to see, savage it. Oh, no. Uh, It was just like impossible. It's dead. That mattress is dead. So we just bought ordered a couch from ikea as like this is the thing we can get now Hmm. and then that's dangerous because like if you're getting temporary you know furniture that might not happen then which is fine also but like we bought a bunch of stuff like all right we've been using boxes we just stacked a bunch of like boxes that we used to move stuff okay (laughs) as like diy wardrobe thing just like stack a bunch of them (laughs) <laughs> just put stuff in boxes and that's like our in our room i've been for finn's like a changing table we just have like a his changing pad basket on top of like stacked boxes also uh. there's a lot of boxes like i made a lot of furniture out of boxes and so we're like you know what this is an emergency you know let's raise this to a new level and so we were like all right let's just emergency order stuff from ikea uh that can just like replace boxes and a couch <laughs> so we did that okay and then every time i try to like to commit to another thing like all right let's get a bed frame <sighs> it's paralyzing i just like look everywhere there's nothing that i truly love yeah i was wondering if it was there's too many options or there is none enough it's too many options and like i feel like kind of what we said about when we were talking last week about being creative and like if i have no constraints it's way harder like i have no constraints I don't have really a mood board. I don't really have anything. And so if I'm looking like, let's look for a bed frame. There's so many different styles. And like, I like some of them. But then there's like, oh, all of a sudden you're like considering three very different pieces. And how is this going to affect the whole room? This is going to dictate like a style. And it's, I need help, Kev. Rafa, (laughs) you have so many tools at your disposal. And like, you don't have no constraints. You have so many constraints. It's mostly space. You have the size of the room is a constraint. Yeah. You have like what your partner (laughs) 
likes as a set of constraints. Uh-huh. You have what's even available as a constraint. Like, there's so many constraints here. Right. But I think you're doing this, right? Like, as a designer, I feel like we have so many more tools at our disposal. Like, you can literally Photoshop, like, these pieces of furniture into your house to see what they would look like. Right. What more do you need? I think I need one or two pieces that will kind of be the starting point. Right. For everything else. Hmm. As soon as I get like my couch, then the next little side table thing will have to play well with the couch and then the rug will have to play well with the colors. And I need those initial pieces right. that will kind of dictate or set in motion the each room. Mm-hmm. And I haven't gotten those. <laughs> okay, I have a question for you. Okay. How can you bring fun into that process? Ugh, right now it's hard. <sighs> have I mentioned that like I also have no time and I have a baby to take care of and it's like just like chaotic? Right. Because we talked about this last week, right? About how to bring fun into your design process. I'm kind of curious to hear, how could you bring fun into your interior design process? That's a good question. I don't know. How can I, Kev? <laughs> I just thought this. I asked the questions. <laughs> I, I think I need to like buy stuff and then start actually getting furniture. Mm. That would be exciting. That's fun, I think. And then, you know, also, I need to lower my standards a little bit, <laughs> I think. Because like, I find something that I like, and I'm like, but do you love it? Uh, you know, you love? Like, well, I don't love, <laughs> but I like. <laughs> and so, yeah, I need a Fab Five in here. Oh gosh. Uh, just like, you know what? Do something, you know. Actually, Kevin, can I ask a question about that? Yeah. During our break, actually, the holiday break, I watched the last season of Queer Eye. Uh-huh. And I'm going to assume you did too. Yep. Because, you know, you like that show. My interest in this show is rapidly going down, though, but that's maybe another story. <laughs> Oh, no. Okay. But, like, I wondered if I was picked to be on the show (laughs) and if I had the gang, you know, kind of do a makeover on my home, on my office, on myself, Uh I think I would hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Like... I'm too much of a control freak to actually enjoy that process. Of course. There was one episode, one guy, uh, he was like a music producer and performer or whatever. Mm -hmm. Did you see the makeover in his office? He had an XDR. Yes, I did see this. And I was like, (laughs) did you notice that they refer to it as an Apple computer? (laughs) An Apple computer. (laughs) And I'm like, no, 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 no. Please, can someone just tell this person what that is and how much it costs? Like, please appreciate it. And I was like, this is a six or seven thousand dollar expense for maybe three seconds on screen, right? Like, 99% of people. will not even notice or care or like it's not like when they design the space that people can be like wow like that looks cool (laughs) but i like that they did that because that's a good counterpoint to i think some of what i heard about the show where it's a tv show so they optimize for what you see (laughs) Mm. so a lot of the times when they do these big like redesigns it's like and now there's half of the storing space in the kitchen that we used to. And our basement is <laughs> right. filled with boxes of stuff. Or like, we had a broken door. And they totally did not fix the broken door, but they added the repainted it, right? Or, or whatever. Like, more optimized for things that people can see. I think it was the same episode in where it also jumped out because they had a newborn. 
and also had like a small kid. And so on the like before images of the living room, it had like the baby little like swing and it had a bunch of like baby toys in the room. It was like, yeah, another feel. And then guess what? On the after, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> There's no toys for the baby. There's no little baby seat, but it looks great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also this episode, I mean, this is Queer Eye uh, Criticism Hour, <laughs> I guess, on the Bring show. It. But I saw a TikTok that was like very funny from this episode where JVN is like talking about the guy's hair and he's like, oh, you're hair is so major it's so cool it's like giving me life it's like the best so how about we cut it <laughs> it's basically like after like five minutes of straight praising his hair it's like now the, the part of the show is that you know we have to make it look different so mm-hmm. <laughs> we're gonna cut some of it <laughs> yeah it's still a tv show at the end of the day yeah exactly so i was like yeah no actually you look great we're good <laughs> like well no we need to feel yeah. 10 minutes Although I think they've been adapting a little bit, like sometimes, like I feel like more and more some of their makeovers is like, well, you know, <laughs> it's like not, it's not that different. It's like it's you know, it's pretty close. Uh-huh. Uh, but I do think the stronger point of Queer Eye is not really about redesign the interior yeah. or they give you a haircut or whatever. To me, the secret of this show, it's like giving you a group of friends for a week essentially mm. right and show that like, and listen to the people yeah it's like helping them work through some issues or some challenges that they have yeah. and also in the way like kind of a offering a cure for toxic masculinity in this like in the mix too so so but would you actually want to be picked or no oh hell no okay <laughs> That's, that's what I wanted to know. What part of me would make you think that I would want to be picked? Don't touch my apartment. <laughs> no. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously, no offense to Bobby, but like, it could only get worse. <laughs> Let's be honest. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, no. It's like, I'm not looking for a haircut. I'm not looking for my apartment <laughs> to be redesigned. No, thank you. My wardrobe, eh, mostly fine. Like, maybe I could get along with 10 on the... <laughs> The wardrobe stuff, although sometimes he has weird ideas for how people should dress. What else? Cromo. I guess I could talk about my feelings with Cromo. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> that sounds fine. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, anyway, what were we talking about? Yeah, you said you need the queer, but I really don't think you need that. No, no, no. Yeah, I was kidding. Like, you have all the tools at your disposal. You can make a mood board. Rafa, you are a designer. You can do this. Like, <laughs> I believe in you. You just need to start <sighs> making some decisions about what you like. I know. What is speaking to you? I'm usually very impulsive and decisive. Yeah. It's a new feeling for me. I'm usually, you know, <laughs> actually, yesterday, like, when Finn goes to sleep, uh, we put you know, we have to have white noise in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, for parents, you probably know. Anyway, so we need white noise. For the longest time, since he was born, the way we've been playing white noise is through the HomePod Mini. It's in the room, right? And that's our white noise machine. Um, last night, the white noise machine, like we, I noticed that it was like playing and then it would like cut off mm. and then playing again and the white noise is loud it needs to be loud <laughs> really? to drown out all the other sounds or whatever it's like a homepod mini at like 65 percent volume which is okay. pretty loud is this when you're telling me that you bought another uh one of these <laughs> like what are they called ipod hi-fi ipod <laughs> no. hi-fi there you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> to put it under the crib as i can feel the bass <laughs> yeah <laughs> this actually 
you know these seats where you can feel the vibration? It's actually just a speaker. Mm. Yeah, just sit directly on the subwoofer. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, it was like, oh, the white noise is like cutting off. So it's like, and shuts up. And then first, how is he not awake? And like, what the hell is going on? And it was very unreliable. It would always like stop playing. Like, what is going on? And I thought, and I still think that's the reason. I think Wi-Fi was pretty weak in that room. And uh, I've been having Wi-Fi issues in this apartment since I moved there's a lot of floors and weird, I don't know, it's Amsterdam is very dense and hmm. Wi-Fi sucks here. So uh, today I had to like just rearrange the routers everywhere and everything sucks in Wi-Fi or the Google, I think they call Nest now. It's like, it's been so unreliable hmm. <laughs> and it feels like it's weird that I have like four routers access points in an apartment. <laughs> this is probably making it worse. And it's just been the whole thing. And then it's like, the white noise stopped and I go in like control center. You see all the airplay uh-huh. sources, devices. So I have to move into the baby room. Uh-huh. And now like I want to play white noise from my phone in his room, but it has to just play white noise. I have to like move the volume all the way down to zero and just like slowly ramp it up. Cause if it starts playing all of a sudden, it will wake him up. Oh, and, like, Waking up a baby <laughs> is like, the last thing you want so this is real tensions are high Hmm. this is like diffusing a bomb here so i have to play the thing and if i just say like hey dingus play white noise in baby room sometimes we'll play the wrong white noise so this is another thing like you know how like there's ambient sounds it's like a, a special type of song i guess that it plays okay even on the thing it says continuous so it's like it doesn't end until you stop oh interesting but sometimes if you ask siri to play white noise it'll play like an apple music playlist of white noise sounds yeah yeah and it's just different songs which is very annoying because then mm-hmm. it's not the same and like some are like way louder than others so every time we change it's very annoying so i can't trigger that from my phone to play in the room i guess i would have to ask the home pod directly mm. and then i went to another home pod just to test this because i don't want to like sneak into the room tap the top of the home pod say to play white noise and all of a sudden siri is talking to me yeah so i do a little trial run in my bedroom home pod and guess what if i just hold the thing which is like i'm indicating i'm signaling the device that i'm not i don't want to speak i'm touching the thing to talk to siri if i touch the thing and say play white noise guess what full volume okay here's white noise you know just siri going up <laughs> which that can't happen because the baby's asleep yeah but I think it's understandable that it does that because it has no other way really to tell you what's happening, right? If it just starts playing, is a good indicator that it's playing. Yes, but the problem is Siri often gets the song wrong. <laughs> and now you could say, well, but, you know. Basically, I think if they're deciding that you should have that audio feedback when you speak into the air, I think it's the same logic, like still applies there. If they didn't, I think the echo probably doesn't, right? Like when you ask it, it just to do something, it just doesn't. Mm. It doesn't go back. It's more of a stylistic choice than holding it versus not holding it. But you know how they did that with lights? Like if you ask to turn off the light and it's in the same room, it'll just turn off the light. There's no audio cue. Yeah, which I think is great. Right. So that for just white noise, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm definitely not the main use case of HomePod Minis is... <laughs> To put in a baby room. I was thinking like, ah, oh, maybe you could make an app that like <laughs> when everything. you play, it 
builds in the sort of ramp up. Mm, I don't know. So I had to remove all the access points again. Or have you considered a physical device that's dedicated to this function? Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, you know, minimalism. Like, why? Well, the HomePod is fine until it's not. I guess this is why. This is my answer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Huh, that's interesting. Should we talk about some design stuff? Let's talk about some design stuff. But actually, before, should we talk about some sponsor stuff? Ooh, yeah, let's do it. Our sponsor this week is once again Zeppelin. Zeppelin wants us to tell you about their new feature. They call it Flows. Uh, they've noticed a trend with designers. They're trying to explain design intentions by adding little arrows or like lines or you know annotating their existing design tools like Figma and Sketch. And that approach makes it super hard to edit and to make change. You know, if you add a little arrow, like annotating a little frame, and then after you move the frame around and then you lose all the annotations, they stop making sense. I know because this happens a lot to me. So it's really hard. And, you know, flows are a fast and effortless way to create and outline user flows and journeys. Designers can use flows to connect screens in seconds and map complete user journeys, showing not just the happy path, but all possible paths and behaviors. All you need to do is add screens you want in a flow, and then you add a little connector, which will snap into place to connect screens or design elements. And then you can even add a little like arrows and little labels to clarify edge cases or just, you know, annotate the flows itself. And then as you publish new versions of the designs of the frames, guess what? All of those flows and connectors, they stay intact. They stay connected automatically, uh, so you don't have to worry about that. So they have additional features to help further organize flows that are dedicated and purpose-built specifically for this workflow. So for example, I like that you can just cluster a bunch of frames and flows into like separate parts of the app and they'll be very easy to annotate. Like this whole area of the screen is about this one thing. So it's great. Go check them out. This works with Figma. So they're not asking you to change or, you know, change the tool you're using. So go to zeppelin.io to check it out and learn more. And our huge thanks uh, to Zeppelin for, for sponsoring Layout once again. Yeah, Zeppelin's great. Cool. So yeah, should we talk about some design stuff? Some design stuff. Uh, should we answer this question that someone wrote in? And by someone, I mean listener Austin Guevara. Mm-hmm. They asked us on Twitter. I'm just going to quote the tweet. Ever discussed your personal experiences with bringing more dev into your design process? I always want to do more with code, but it usually feels like swimming upstream because it's not expected for how my role functions in the organization. I thought this was a really interesting question. How would you answer this, Kev? Well, I mean, I want to first start by acknowledging that it's been a while since I've actually been uh, like a main designer on a project. But first, I really like the mindset that this brings, right? Mm -hmm. A designer who wants to incorporate some different techniques into their work and bringing, in this case, more development to their design process, right? And, and like that same kind of thinking could be applied to other things. It could be like, hey, I want to spend more time thinking about product management problems as part of my process or, hey, I want to bring in more illustration to my process. It can apply to lots of different things. In this case, we're talking about the developer experience. So in terms of managing expectations, I think in most companies, unless they're set up that way, you probably shouldn't expect that your code will necessarily be like production code. So I actually feel like there's a difference there that you can set up where I think you can leverage a lot of code in how you design things. And parts of what you write can be then reused by developers. But I think what's harder is trying to 
sometimes like use the same tools, the same systems that your team is using to build the proper thing. Like for example, for me at Shopify, like some of the parts of what we do are just like pretty complex code bases, right? Because it's a big application with lots going on and I don't have enough of the understanding of like what are the patterns, what are the ways that they do to, you know, to build great software at scale. But one thing that's been a tremendously useful tool that I use in my day-to-day and still do to a certain extent today is things like CodePen. I think CodePen is a great light way if you work for the web, of course, you know, if you work in native, maybe Rafa can give us some of his experience, but to be able to prototype something very quickly. I actually think web, if you know HTML and CSS and maybe a tiny bit of JavaScript, that's an amazing way to prototype things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same language that you're going to be using to actually build these things. But for example, I've uh, prototyped some like specific animation interaction. So one of the things that, uh, to give a real example, uh, when I worked on Shopify email, we wanted to give users control over the font size. Hmm. And part of controlling the font size also implies line height. Well, line height is a percentage of your font size, right? So it'll be like, I don't know, 1.5 or 1.3 or whatever. And we just had like the single, like, hey, it's text. And people can size it up if they want to make it a headline or they can size it down if they want to make a paragraph. The problem is since the line height would scale proportionally with the font, when you make a font bigger, that means there are fewer letters that can fit in one line, right? And so that means the space in between the lines needs to be shorter uh, versus if you have long lines of text, you need to have wider gaps. This might sound a bit (laughs) abstract the way that I'm describing, but they're basically rules for how to lay typography. And you would generally do that normally when you're designing where your body copy might have like a 1.5 line height and then your headings might have 1.2, 1.3. It's a small difference, but it matters. And so basically what I wanted is to automatically transition the line height as you're scaling the font size. And so I created a prototype in CodePen that was basically like didn't have much UI. Like it was a slider and it was some parameters of like the starting point and then the end point where you can control the line height. So that allowed us to be able to figure out, okay, what is the right sort of formula to use so that as you scale up the font, the percentage of the line height should go down as the font gets bigger. Mm -hmm. And so this ended up being like a very simple, very straightforward prototype. People could understand the idea much better uh, than when I was describing it. As you can see, I'm not really describing it very well. Uh, (laughs) but, But when you actually play with it, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. And I actually know some of the code that goes behind it. Mm. This ended up being implemented as part of a much bigger infrastructure, right? Like I would have had to learn so much about development to be able to actually contribute this in the code base. But having this be an isolated, like specific, just like little prototype for this one feature allowed us to really streamline the process and make things easier and and improve communication where like devs could jump in and and be oh actually we should change it in that way and we could like go back and forth on it and it was like a really great way to leverage that so those are the ways that i would encourage you to integrate some of the development process into your design basically use it as a tool for communication more than 
seeing it as a sort of like an artifact that is necessarily going to be leveraged as is. I've been in some situations where I have contributed code directly, and that's totally cool. I just think that that's maybe less and less a common thing in companies. Especially with this, with size, I think. Yes. Contributing code, once there's like an actual team in the process and review process, and like if you want to go through that route, you know, it's a lot. And it's you probably don't know what you're doing. <laughs> it probably requires a lot more than those four lines of CSS that you like have in your head and you want to communicate. Plus, when a code pen, like I used it a lot back in Netlify because it was the last web-based product I worked on. I don't think you should expect to see resistance to using code, like Kevin said, to communicate something. I feel like if you uh, want to use code to create a prototype and like that's the thing you show, the prototype, I don't expect to see resistance of like, yeah, this is great. A prototype is even more high-fidelity artifact like as a design artifact than you had before. But I can see resistance in two ways. One is, yes, if you're trying to commit code directly to the code base, especially, like I said, there can be a lot of process that you just can't go rogue and like, yeah, I'll write the CSS for that, especially as an existing you know, front-end team that you, know, you can't just do that. But so CodePen is great. So I'll give you an example. We were doing a redesign on Netlify's design system, one that hasn't shipped yet. <laughs> um, probably will, one day. It will never ship at this point. <laughs> Maybe one day. And uh, a lot of the elements, I ended up coding, you know, in, in it was basically CSS and some JavaScript, but like using CodePen. Like, so I was like, I had the mockups, I had the Figma files and all that, but I also added CodePens, uh, which can should be useful for front-end developers even if they don't actually copy paste the code like at least they see the behavior and what they were trying to achieve uh, a lot of like little things like transitions on hover effects or something or uh, i built like a nav bar that had a particular you know interaction model and like some animations and stuff that i wanted to code myself and so that was just another artifact another handoff asset for the team one thing that i think it's probably what you're feeling i think is that sometimes if you're like, I want to go above and beyond. I don't want to end at, with this Figma mockup. I want to create an actual prototype, maybe using code. So you're asking for like more time and resources and time allocated for actual prototyping. That can be tricky, and that can you know require a lot of leverage, depending on the size of the team and you know what kind of company it is or whatever like that can be tricky because it would require a lot from other people uh you know just process like oh so you mean the design is not done so you mean to we need to scope more time for the design process uh do we need to allocate even more resources do we need a bigger team maybe like a, i don't know there's a lot that can go into that and that is like i've also felt that like sometimes it's just i didn't have time to go through a full prototype we just need to ship something quick or we needed to ship something so we could test instead of trying to test in a prototype i have had that happen to me in for me, the advice is like if you want to flex those coding skills as a designer, like use code for your own design work, little side projects is the best. <laughs> so like I, let's say the thing I did a couple of weeks ago that we also talked about, the, the interaction, that prototype with the tape drag and drop thing, that took me a day or two. If it would take me more than that, I also personally don't think it was right for me to spend more time. Also small team, so I kind of have to manage company's time myself. But I managed to do that because I acquire those skills 
somewhere else, mm-hmm. some other project for myself. And so then I'm able to like utilize them quickly in a way that doesn't take me too much time. So for that reason, I also don't see any resistance from the company. Like also another thing we mentioned is like sometimes I do like video editing, video production to communicate an idea. If I were to ask my company, hey, can I spend a week to create this video so I can communicate my idea? They would say, no, find another way, cheaper, faster way to communicate your idea, please. So if I try to fight that fight, I would lose. So I had to acquire those skills, flex those muscles somewhere else. So then... I'm effective with those at my job. So now, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that it depends. I don't know exactly the context. I don't know where you're coming from. If you want to write in, just like let us know more or, you know, just we can continue the conversation. But I feel like that's, I don't see anyone that should be opposed to having designers code, right? Because it's just good. It's a good skill. And I, I bet your developers would appreciate it. It's just find the right time, find the right, implement that in your own work at your company. Yeah, that's really good advice. Because not everything needs to be prototyped. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I tell people sometimes is, you know, the world's best prototyping tool, it's like our imagination, right? Like a lot of times it's like, if there are things that you can describe easily and that people can get automatically, then you don't need to prototype it. Mm-hmm. You really don't. And, you know, there are lots of tools like where we're talking with Zeppelin or like some stuff in Figma or like there's different tools out there for you to express certain ideas. So you should be smart about where you choose to use that time and leverage code when you absolutely need code. Mm -hmm. When, you know, you can get the point across with a different tool that requires less work and less effort, then you should absolutely do that. It's like finding the right tool for the job, I think is great. Like point that you made, Rafa. No, that's, that's good. And then the last thing probably I would say on this is I also think, I mean, bringing more development into your design process doesn't necessarily just mean writing code yourself. It, like sometimes it, it can be, hey, here's my design and here's some ideas that I'm thinking in my mind of how I would implement it. It could even be at a high level. Like I've done this sometime where like a developer is like, ooh, like this sounds really hard mm-hmm. to build and implement. And sometimes, you know, I've had time when I'm designing it, like start thinking about, okay, how could you approach this in a, in a way that you could implement that, right? Oh my God, And so yes. you could provide some suggestions or some hints around how that could be implemented. You're probably not going all of the way. It's like a little... A, providing these hints to your developer who could be like, oh, okay, yes, okay. I totally get what you're talking about, of course. Yes. So glad you brought that up. Absolutely, yes. Like when I'm designing something, especially for the web, like I care about clean, simple markup as well. Like I want the implementation of this to be as simple as possible and as flexible as possible without little hacks or something. So like sometimes I'm designing a layout and I can see the flex box in my head you know like i know exactly this would be very easy actually it took many years to get there but now like, we can finally think in flexbox <laughs> yeah and like uh, figma's auto layout and stuff and sketches smart layout and all like those are a lot of help those are very useful but like truth be told i rarely like resize elements in figma is mostly just like a tool to assemble a layout and i know that if i want to resize it won't completely destroy it But that's it. And I don't expect that my developers will go in and inspect the thing and say, oh, this is auto layout. Oh, this is stretch all the children in the thing. Like, I don't expect them to kind of decode that. So if you know how to achieve that, that mock-up 
using code, like Kevin said, and I think the very important thing to note in what Kevin said is like, you can suggest an implementation. Like, this is how I would implement it, right? Like, I think it's simple or whatever. You know, I think that would be extremely helpful. And sometimes, like, front-end developers are very different. Like, I feel like there's a lot of different front-end developers that have different skills, different strengths, different interests. Uh, I've seen really great front-end developers that are, like, incredible at, at achieving, like, visual flair and, like, some stuff that I didn't even know was possible with CSS. I've also seen front-end developers that are really into markup and clean stuff and accessible code and accessibility in general and all. And so sometimes, like, also know what kind of people you, you have at your disposal to work with. But, like, one of the marketing rebrands on, like, Netlify, that the first they had, like, waves and stuff that I worked on. Those waves, I worked with my front-end developer at the time in that project to like figure out a way that would work <laughs> because it was not a, an obvious straightforward implementation detail and like even the ways that i have on my website it's like that is an svg element that's laid on top of the background thing but then it needs to figure out how it ends the wave how does it end so those things if you have the skills if you can think at that level it's also good to like work with the front-end developer. So it's not so much that I need time to add code to my design. It can be just like you overlap with the development team on the implementation. Maybe you don't have to do it yourself, but you can like be there and like provide insights and stuff. So yeah. that's another way to go about it. Some more examples, sometimes even just providing a link to like a CSS strict uh, thing. Yeah. So for example, I had a design that had like a quote. And you know, when you do a quote, you want to have the hanging punctuation, mm. right? So the quote is actually sort of offset. These things really a pain in the butt to yeah because <laughs> right? it's highly dependent on the font and some of the like different languages and stuff like that for that quote to be hanging properly well in webkit there's a property that's like webkit dash i think it's like hanging punctuation or something like that <laughs> so i'll just like put in my mock-up to say hey here Let's just use this. Like, it's fine if it doesn't work in all of the browsers, but like, just implement it that way. And like, these are, I mean, especially with CSS, it's probably true with like other languages and stuff, but there's so many of these things that like come up all the time where it's hard to keep up <laughs> on all of the latest and greatest. And so if you're aware of like, hey, here's a strategy to implement this, that's so much easier. You can give people that hint and it makes it easier to collaborate with people. Another thing that I've done very frequently is uh, I use non-breaking spaces in like strategic places. Mm. So, you know, we always want to avoid, I never know if it's orphans or widows or what's the other one <laughs> i call them orphans yeah yeah anyways like whenever you have a single word on its own line right as the text wraps right so this is something you can kind of fix easily in a design tool by like inserting like returns but that's obviously bad in a, a responsive environment because right. you don't want to have like random returns in your thing and so what you do instead at this my strategy is to insert non-breaking spaces and so this is a space that looks just like any regular space but it ensures that these there will never be a line break in between these two words. And so you can do that like at the end of a paragraph or at the end of something. And so sometimes I'll indicate, hey, I know you can't see it, but there should be a non-breaking space here and here. And so those are little ways that you start to become more aware of code 
as part of your design process that makes things easier for your developers. Whereas if you went to a developer and told them, hey, these should never wrap and it should never end up with one word on one line. The developer might be like, uh, oh my gosh, how can I create a system to make that happen? And actually, the solution is quite simple, but it's not necessarily obvious, like unless you've been thinking mm-hmm. a lot about these like little design touches. I bet there's more designers that know how to add B3 color gamut, like colors in CSS, <laughs> than developers. <laughs> Maybe not, but like there are little things for sure that designers would care more about. Maybe uh, I should cut all this out. I don't know. No. Uh, but yeah, also if you're curious and like interested in this space, yeah, it changes so fast. It's very easy for you to be up to date and like on current trends that maybe your team doesn't know about. And so if you can utilize those on in your work, that's great. And ask a lot of questions. Get to know your developers. Mm-hmm. What are the things that they really enjoy doing? What are the things that they hate doing, right? It gives you a lot of information for how you can be a good partner. What is the kind of stuff that's helpful to them? What are the things that are not helpful to them? I think opening up and having these conversations and really working together as a team is really the key here. And then, yeah, like I wouldn't worry too much about like what's technically expected. What's expected of you is you're able to deliver great experiences and be a great team member. So... If you can figure out ways to use this tool as sort of a, like a secret of power when is necessary, I think, you know, it's only going to make you a more valuable team member for your team and people will start recognizing that over time. Boom. We talked about the science stuff. Yeah, that was a great question. Austin, thanks for the question. That was a great question. And definitely do follow up if there's something we missed or we like misinterpreted something or you have follow-up questions. We always love hearing from our listeners and I think it can spark really great discussions. And if uh, someone else is listening to this and you're like, oh, I also have a great question, uh, tweet at us, at Layout.fm. This is not the outro, but I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the outro, but we should do recommendations though. Oh yeah, we should. Do you want to start first? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have one uh, recommendation that is definitely not for everyone. I'm recommending a show for kids. And my son is very young, probably way too young for any television, really. (laughs) But, you know, we found this show called Bluey. It's an animated television series for preschoolers, they say. And it's an Australian show. And... I gotta say, it's like lovely. It's wonderful. It's so touching and like human in a way that like it doesn't feel written, if that makes sense. Hmm. It doesn't feel scripted. It feels so natural. It's about uh, like this family, like the mom and dad, and they have, they have two kids, Bluey and uh, Bingo. <laughs> they're like they're dogs, by the way. Um, it's Australian. Like the voice actors who play the kids the two main characters like they're actual children and you can tell right it's not like an adult making a high-pitched voice they're children so they laugh like children it's incredible if you try to look up the actors you won't Uh, i mean maybe but like you know it's not something that you can't find easily on the internet because they want to protect their privacy like these are not like famous actors playing it feels so real and it's so so fun so lovely and uh, yeah, it's mostly us that we're watching the show. You know, Finn cares very little. <laughs> but like, it's so <laughs> incredible. It's all about like the kids wanting to play all the time and like the parents playing with them and like the little things that parents do. You know, adults become very silly when they're around children, I think. Mm. And it's like celebrating that a little bit. It's lovely. 
It's on Disney Plus and probably somewhere else. It's Australian, but it's uh, available on Disney Plus. So it's called Bluey, and that's it. That's my recommendation. Nice. That's very cool. Well, I guess uh, the only thing I can think of <laughs> is uh, so I got a new mic last time. Also got the Elgato Wave XLR, and I would say after using it for about a week, I think I would recommend them. Okay, you did it. <laughs> I did it. Um, <laughs> you qualified. So far, so good. I've listened to the sound quality. Uh, it's been nice. Um, and Elgato Wave XLR just is really as minimal as possible on your desk. Like, I think is a really great version on these things because, like, all of the other ones pretty much are covered with buttons. Mm -hmm. This is very straightforward. And one of the things that I discovered is you can use the software with it. So they have sort of a mixing software mm. that goes with it if you want to control all of the little knobs and settings and stuff like that. But you don't have to. And so... If you just literally plug into the computer, you don't even have to install the software. It'll just work. So it doesn't really require anything. And then it powers the SM7B. Um, so I've been really happy with it. There's even a touch mute, unmute feature, nice. which is kind of interesting. And then the LEDs turn red. So it's a pretty neatly designed little thing. I mean, I think it's pretty well documented at this point that I'm a, an Elgato fan with all of their products. But I think they're all very thoughtfully designed and really blend in with their environment pretty well. I would say the one thing I wish it had is I wish the headphone jack was in front, not in back. Hmm. But uh, depending on your preferences, it might actually be a, a strength, not a weakness. So yeah, I've been very happy with the setup. You could run a 3.5 mil jack extension from the back to like somewhere close to you, like maybe on the back, on the bottom of your desktop or something. So you could just plug the headphone there. Yeah. Instead of going all the way. Yeah. And then like, what I would have to glue it? <laughs> do you stick it onto your <laughs> desk? Like, do you. There's ways. I mean, you could have just little staples. I'm not sure. You know. Uh, I guess. But I don't know. No, this is fine. Like, this works. Okay. No. It's okay. at least good enough <laughs> for me for right now. So. Cool. Yeah. I'm also happy as someone who listens to the show and edits and all that. You know, you sound great. It's a good upgrade. And also just a general recommendation, honestly, if you're like any of us and spend like a good portion of your days on video calls, getting a microphone is huge. It'll make a huge difference to anyone who's listening to you. It'll make you hopefully sound smarter mm -hmm. uh, a little bit. Uh, at least I've, this is what people told me. <laughs> <laughs> that sound better <laughs> with a mic and it doesn't have to be an expensive one right like i upgraded this setup after five plus years of doing a podcast right so mm -hmm. um you know you don't have to jump into fancy gear right off the bat but even getting basically any mic you can get is gonna already gonna be such a huge upgrade over just using the microphones built into your laptop so do consider like maybe this is a broader recommendation of like you should get a mic it'll really improve how you communicate it's a huge upgrade for the people who listen to you <laughs> plus one cool all right another show we did it uh thanks so much for listening you can follow us on twitter you can ask questions and maybe you'll make a whole episode of answering their question tweet at us at layout fm i am at rafa hari and kevin is at vernal kick also on twitter and uh you can find our website on the webs well, our website is layout.fm because we're fancy like that and we have that domain name 
And our huge thanks once again to Zeppelin for sponsoring uh, Layout. And I think that's it. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. No, that's it. I think I'll talk to you next week then. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Goodbye.